Hey, this morning we're beginning a new series. And uh, I think we have a, a title slide up there. There we go. When God hits pause. But I need to stop for just a moment. When God hits pause, I, I can just imagine somebody sitting at home right now listening to the podcast in a week or two. When God hits pause, and they're, they're like grabbing their little kitty cat and saying, oh, little kitty, God doesn't want to hit your paws. Uh, no, we're not talking about those kind of furry little animal paws. We're talking about the pause button. We're talking about that God will hit the pause button, but that was too long to put into a series title. So it's just when God hits pause. You with me? One of the scriptures in the New Testament that if you've been in church at any, any amount of time in your life, you probably would remember hearing Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And it says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He who began a good work in you is going to finish it. What God starts, he completes. His word promises us that. But here's something I'd like you to think about as we step into this series. The only reason that we need to be reminded that God will complete what he started is because he ain't done yet. The only reason we need to be reminded God will complete, like future tense, God will complete, is because there's a lot of things that when we look in the mirror at our lives, we go, yeah, that ain't done yet. That's incomplete. This has not yet crossed the finish line in this area of my development or my story. See, God begins a work. And then he hits pause. And then he will complete it. God begins the work. Maybe it's a promise that he has given you. Maybe it's a dream that he has stirred in your heart so deeply and profoundly and you know this is from the Lord. Maybe it's a work of healing or restoration something of his redemptive purpose that he has begun in your life. And then he said, pause. It's not done yet. I think if we were honest with each other and honest with ourselves, if we were to look at our lives, we would probably say that there's a number of things that are not yet done. Things that we just have not gotten across the finish line, things that we know that God began but they're not finished yet. There are often pauses in the way that God works in our lives. Some are like really short. Some are just even moments of a pause. And other pauses are so long that we think they may never end. See, our normal human assumption, I believe, just normal human assumption, whether, whether you are a God follower or a Christ follower or not yet. 
Just the normal human assumption, I believe it is that, okay, if this is the God of the universe that we're serving, what on earth would slow down God from just instantly finishing what he began? Why would God slow his role? Because humanly, that doesn't make sense. If God, the God of the universe, began something, why wouldn't it just be start to finish in the blink of an eye? And I think some of us would say, God, you were doing so well. You started so well in this area of my story. Where did you go? Where did you go? And that's what kind of happens when God hits pause. During these pauses, when there is no outward way to discern that God is still present or active in our situation or story, I believe is when life, we would say, is most challenging, when defeat seems inevitable, that hope starts to really be challenged and may drift away. But it's during these moments, during these times when God hits pause, that I believe that he is doing the deepest work in our lives, and in our stories. Many of the most remarkable things that we've, we read in Scripture, things that would probably come back to your memory, stories in Scripture that just have had profound impacts on not only us, but on generations of believers, often it's those very things that a pause was involved, from short to really, really long I was thinking about those this week. One night, Daniel, God hit pause. You're going in the lion's den, right? Three days, God hit pause in Jonah's story. Went in the belly of a whale. Thirteen years, Joseph was a slave and a prisoner before becoming the second highest in command of all of Egypt, 13 years. 25 years, Abraham had to wait through a pause from being promised a son to that son being born. And when he got that first promise, he was already 75 years old. Even with old people, God hits the pause button. 40 years that Israel wandered through the desert before going into the promised land. And check this out. For 400 years, God was silent. Talk about a pause. Between the last of his prophets to the nation of Israel, Malachi, 400 years between Malachi and and the coming of Jesus. 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Talk about a pause. God uses pauses to do a deep and profound work. 
in our lives and in our stories. We started looking at Philippians 1, 6 in a familiar version. I'd like you to look at Philippians 1, 6 again in a different version. This is from The Voice. And I like the way the translators took these same words and put a little bit different twist on them. Philippians 1, 6. I am confident that the creator who has begun such a great work among you will not stop in mid-design, but will keep perfecting you. I like that translation. He's not going to stop in mid-design. And oftentimes, of course, that's where during those most challenging times when we cannot see or hear or discern what God could possibly be thinking. Because God, you are not doing what you started doing. And this ain't done yet. You, God, have hit pause in my story and situation. But God will not stop in mid-design. But will keep on perfecting you. And this translation, what I like, is that, yeah, he's going to keep perfecting us all the way through completion. But for all of us, that completion is not going to happen until we see Jesus face-to-face. Because between today and that day, we are on a journey of, as we talked about in our last series, becoming more and more like Jesus. There is a perfecting work that God is doing, and oftentimes he will use the pause to accomplish that perfecting work. In fact, when we talked over the last weeks about becoming more and more like Jesus. We, we talked about these three D words that we use at Santa Maria Fourscores. We talk about discipleship. We talk about discovery, development, and deployment, right? We come to know things, then we grow in those things, and then we go and we do those things, right? There's this perpetual cycle of, of how God works with us with discovery, development, and deployment. But when we talked about that developing work that God wants to do, a lot of it has to do with this pause, this seeming absence of God's activity and work in our lives and in our stories, where God does not seem to be as present as he was during that discovery time when I'm just learning and so good. God, look who you are. Look what you're doing in my life. And then, silent. Pause. God, where are you? But God will use that in our development to become more and more like Jesus. Today we're going to be looking at a really quick pause, a pause that really probably only took mere minutes, but was quite profound and is going to help us begin to unpack this idea of God hitting pause. And it's found in a story in Luke chapter 8, verses 40 through 49. Let's look at this and then let's draw some ideas from this text. It says, now when Jesus returned, A crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, 
came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. Just wait right there. Let's just kind of think about this story. Jairus was a religious man. He served in the synagogue, and his only daughter was dying. He didn't know what to do. You know, I mean, he was at his wit's end. Probably all hope was seeping away. But he had heard of this guy named Jesus. In fact, if you were to go back one chapter and read chapter 7 of Luke, in chapter 7, we find that Jesus actually rose from the dead, the son of a widow, the only son of a widow. And it says at the end of that little story about Jesus raising this boy from the dead, that it says the news about Jesus spread throughout the whole region, right? So here we have this, this synagogue leader who would have undoubtedly heard what Jesus had done just a short time before about raising someone from the dead. Maybe Jairus was saying, well, if he could raise somebody from the dead, he could certainly resurrect somebody off of their deathbed, even if she hasn't died yet. But Jairus had this hope stirred so deeply within him that I have to get to Jesus because all other resources have been exhausted. There's nothing else that I can do but to go and find this one who may be able to help my daughter, my only daughter. And it says there, so Jesus set out with him. So again, we can just imagine that, wow, Jairus not only found Jesus, but in this throng of people, this crowd of of humanity, that Jairus was actually able to make it all the way to Jesus, communicate what was going on, right? Because everybody's got their story. Everybody's got things in their life that they probably would love for Jesus to like, hey, come and help me. But Jairus was able to make it all the way to him, share the desperate need, and then Jesus agreed to go with him. I don't know what that scenario was like, Maybe he took Jairus' hand. Maybe Jairus said, hey, come this way. And Jesus starts making a beeline right after Jairus because it says he was on his way, the crowds almost crushing him. And then here is where the pause comes. We go on in verse 43. It says, it says, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years years. Now, this would have been horrible in any kind of circumstance, but in that culture and for Jews, a woman who was bleeding was not able to participate in even the ceremonial things that would be happening in the synagogue and and participate in the um, religious system that would have been so deeply embedded in her life. In other words, she, because of this bleeding, would have been ostracized. She would have been marginalized. She would have been kind of cast out, unable to participate with others. So she was desperate as well. But no one could heal her. 
She came up behind him, behind Jesus, right? There's this throng of people, this crowd crushing in. But she, she comes up. She, she elbows her way through the crowd. She would not be denied. And she just touches the edge of his cloak. And immediately the bleeding stopped. I, I don't know how she perceived that in the moment, But something surged through her where she knew that her healing was immediate. It immediately stopped. Who touched me? (laughs) Who touched me, Jesus asked. When they all denied it, that, that wasn't me, I didn't grab you. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. Like, what are you talking about? Hundreds of people have probably touched you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Now listen, Jesus had power go out of him all the time. He was always healing, ministering, raising the dead, casting out demons, walking on water, multiplying food to feed thousands. I mean, power was like perpetually coming out of him. Did Jesus really need to pause right there? I mean, he's following a guy to his home where his daughter, his only daughter, is dying. Why would Jesus stop and pause right there? And let's let's be real. The woman was already healed. She already got her healing. But Jesus chose to stop in that moment right then. Jairus is like, hey, Hey, you were with me. But Jesus pauses. Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told him why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. So this thing that had been very probably shame-filled and hurtful and damaging to her, not only her body, but her soul, something that she would have wanted to keep probably pretty private, she now, after receiving her healing, well, now she tells her testimony. And you know what? I don't even think she was embarrassed to do it. I think she went from shame to being unashamed. I have my healing. So there was a wonderful testimony about God's healing power in her life. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. But while Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, And has these words for him. Your daughter is dead. He said, don't bother the teacher anymore. When God hits pause. I think if we were to invite Jairus up and, hey, Jairus, welcome Jairus, everybody. Jairus is here this morning. I think if we were to invite Jairus up here and say, now that this story is all behind you and 
you know, a couple thousand years ago. But now that the story is behind you, what would you want to tell us about when God hits pause in our lives? I think Jairus would be able to reflect with us about some things that we need to remember in our stories when God hits pause. We could talk about many things, but let's focus on four things that I think are really important to begin this conversation. Number one, we need to be reminded during a pause, God is not in a rush. Let's let that sink in for a moment. God is not in a rush. We are hurried. He is not. In fact, think about this. Hurriedness is not one of the fruit of the Spirit. (laughs) Patience is. I mean, patience is one of the things within us that when it's developed, we say, wow, look at how the Spirit of God is alive in my life and my story because of patience being there. God is not in a rush. Character is formed over time. And God is far more concerned with my character than he is with how quickly I can accomplish something and move on to what's next. God is not going to allow me to slip out from an opportunity too quickly. He wants me to be able to wring everything that is needed from this situation and make sure I get it all the way deep down in my soul so that I don't just have this like checkbox mentality to like, okay, done, God, all right, we're on to the next thing. What is it? And God's like, hey, there was, there was more that I wanted to work in you. There was more trust that was needed to be brought into your life as you would think about me and the promises that I've made you and the work that I've begun. More trust, more character development, more endurance. The very things that we talked about a couple of few weeks ago is we talked about this developing work that God is doing in our lives. Development does not come overnight. Development, we talked about a few weeks ago, requires difficulty. For us to really develop, remember, is going into the gym. And you don't develop going to the gym one time. We develop going to the gym over and over and over and making it a part of our story. And that after week after week, month after year, month after month, year after year, then we really begin to see the accumulative effects of this developing work that God has done in my life. So sometimes pauses are short. Sometimes they're long. But God is not in a rush. He is at work doing something deep within us. Here's the second thing that I think that Jairus would remind us of. He would say, 
In that story, God was not just at work in my life. I think he would say, we need to be reminded that God is not just at work in our story. There are other people involved here. Now, in the story of Jairus, it was really evident that there was also this woman, a woman who had been suffering terribly for 12 years. God paused in order to minister to this other woman and allow this testimony to come forth from her life. But there's also other people that were in the later part of the story that we'll get to in a bit that saw this young lady actually die. She was gone when Jesus showed up. And we'll get to that part of the story in a little bit. But there was other people that needed to see this powerful manifestation of God's resurrection power. There was other people involved in the story. It was not just about Jairus. In my own life, I know that God began to stir a dream and a desire, a vision in my heart for becoming a lead pastor of a church. And he did that around 2003. And then for 12 years, 12 years, I went through long, long seasons where God hit pause on that. And listen, we were like, trying. We were praying. We were thinking. We were going and visiting churches. We were like trying to figure this out. And along those 12 years, there was churches that we went and, you know, talked to them and, and looked at that particular opportunity. And, and we said, yeah, no, we, we don't think that's us. We don't think that that's what we're cut out for. So there was churches that we said, no, we don't, we don't think we're to be the pastors there. There was several of those. And then there was a couple in particular that we said, oh, this is the one. This is the place that we're supposed to be. Only to find out we were told no. <laughs> That's hard. That's a lot harder than when you say no than when they say no. When they say no, it's like, I'm pretty freaking awesome. It's like, you know, do I smell? You know, what's going on here? I'm a good person. I love God, and God has called me to do this very thing. It was tough. It was painful. There were tears shed. There was anger stuff that rises up. There was the how dare they Stop the work of the Lord. Don't you know that God called me to do this very thing? But you know, I was not the only one involved in this story. I have a wife and I have children. And I don't know what God protected them from or preserved them for by God saying, no. Finger's still on pause. You think you're ready. Yeah. You're not. There's still stuff I'm working in your heart, Tim. 
But you know what? You're not the only one involved in this story. Maybe I was ready for one of those assignments. Yeah, I probably could have fumbled my way forward, figured it out, right? But there's other people involved in this story. There was things that God still had for Kelly and my kids that would have been interrupted. Things that would have changed, some of them pretty dramatically, had we gone into one of those particular assignments. But guess what? It wasn't even just about my family. I think about the pastors that are now serving those couple of churches where we thought we were supposed to end up and go. And I am so thankful that they are there because I look at their lives and I see the ministry that is happening in those churches and I go, wow, Lord, you brought the very people that were needed for that setting, for that place, for that community, for that tribe, for that group of people. God, thank you, because you know what? It wasn't just about this pastor, it was about others. And it was about God orchestrating and organizing their lives and what they needed and what those congregations needed. So praise the Lord. I talked to someone just this morning who's been in a long pause season. But even as she was reflecting, she was saying what God has been doing in her children's lives that are really, really good and profound even in the midst of this long pause. Oh, so it's not just about me. And then I think about the fact that after 12 years, God took his finger off the pause button in my story and brought me here. Praise the Lord for that. Hey, listen, okay, yeah, thank you. But listen, there was something about you needing a guy like me. Because it wasn't just about my story, it was about your story. But it's also about my story. So not only did you need a pastor like me, I needed you in my story. And if I would have gone to one of those other places, God knew that there was something that would have been lacking in our shared story. So I think if Jairus were here, he would have said, when God hits pause, remember, it's not just about you. It's not just about you. Yep, God's doing things in you. He's perfecting you. But this is about a whole bunch of other people who are watching, who are involved, whose lives would be radically changed if he were to just remove that pause button. I don't know what he's doing in all those other people's stories, but we need to be attentive of that because we can just get locked into our own little narrative and we can get locked into our story so profoundly that we forget about the woman who is suffering to the side over here or our kids or our spouse or a church. And we need to be reminded that it's not just about us. And maybe that's why God still has his finger on pause. The third thing 
that I believe that Jairus would remind us of is that we have an enemy and he is not silent. Not only will God be involved in this pause situation, but I think that when God hits pause, the enemy goes, oh boy. God hits pause, so I'm going to hit play. Right? Like, when God hits pause, the enemy's voice, hey! And you know what? I, I think it is very insightful what the, this person told Jairus when, when God hit pause, when Jesus stopped and did not immediately go to the home. Said, your daughter's dead. Quit bothering the teacher. Let me put these in other words. All is lost, just give up now. All is lost, just give up now. I think those two things, sometimes maybe one more than the other, but somehow in combination, when there is a pause season going on in our life, in any area, we are gonna hear those things more than anything else from the enemy of our soul who seeks to kill, steal, and destroy our lives and our joy. All is lost. Just give up now. Quit fighting. Quit pressing through. Stop it. And he even said, don't, Keep bothering the master, right? Or the teacher. It's like, God's not interested in what's going on. Just leave it alone. God is not, God does not care what is happening in your story. All is lost. Give up now. That addiction that you've been battling, that addiction that you've been, just not been able to get on top of and, it's just been kicking your butt, right? But God's given you a promise that you're gonna get set free, but now you're having to go through this long slog in the middle, and every time that there's a setback, every time that there's a place of defeat, there, there's the enemy, loser, all's lost, just give up now. Quit going back to God about that thing. Now, he's given up on you already. Look, look at your story. Look, he's so disappointed in you. Every time you come to him, man, you're just a stench before God. They're lies of the enemy. All is lost. Just give up now. I think that when we hear those kind of lies echoing through our soul, it's a pretty clear indication, oh, I think God's got his finger on the pause button right now. There is something that he is wanting me to press through to, to identify the lies of the evil one and to say, enemy, I reject those things that you are trying to speak over me. I reject. I do not receive that that you are communicating because all is not lost. If I've got breath in my lungs and God is still on the throne, which he is, all is not lost. 
Because greater is he who is within me, at work in my story, at work in my life. Even when I can't see him, he's working. He never stops. He never stops working. God wants us to identify the lies of the evil one, cast those down, and say, I'm not giving up. And that, when we come to that place of determination, when we come to that place that say, I am going to persevere, no matter what happens to my left or what happens to my right, I am going to hold unswervingly to the hope that is within me for my God who promised is faithful. Hebrews 10.23. When that happens, that's when that development is actually taking place. Because I'm fighting. I'm lifting this heavy weight. God is at work developing things in my story that would never happen if just things went from start to finish immediately. So God hits pause. But we're going to hear the enemy's voice. And then Jairus would say this. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. He would say, don't worry, because God will complete what he began. He will complete what he began. It's his promise. It's his word that God will complete that very thing that he began in you. And when the moment was over, when Jesus healed this woman and she gave her testimony, so just minutes had gone by, and then this person came saying, your daughter's dead, all is lost, just give up, leave Jesus alone. We finish the story, verses 50 to 55, and here's part of it. Hearing this, hearing this, hearing what? Hearing what this person just spoken, all is lost, give up hope, give up, leave God alone. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Hey, friends, those who are going through pause situations in your own story where things have not fully resolved. That dream, that vision, that promise, that work of healing and redemption in your story. Jesus says, don't fear. Don't be afraid. Just believe. And that thing will come to completion. In Jairus' situation, your daughter will be healed. So when he arrived at the house of Jairus, Jesus said, she isn't dead, but she's asleep. He took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Finger off, pause. My child, get up. Her spirit returned and at once she stood up. Hey, not only was Jairus not the only one in the story, I wonder if the pause came so that this 12-year-old girl 
the next generation would have a story. Would have a story more than just like, I was really sick and then I wasn't sick anymore. Oh, it's a whole different story when I was dead and then I wasn't dead anymore. I was dead. The mourners had gathered. People were with, in fact, there's some dot, dot, dots there in that story, you see. Because there was people that were actually there gathered to mourn who were mocking Jesus when he said she wasn't dead. I think there's a whole bunch of people in that story of why God hit pause so that their eyes would be open. They would come to a depth of understanding that when God starts something, he's going to complete it. Even if there is a long pause in the middle.